0: Hello and welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz. The Seattle Seahawks are going into week 11 facing the Arizona Cardinals for the first time this season. And man, this is a game that they have got to win coming off that loss to the Green Bay Packers. Joining me to help preview this matchup is the host of Believe in Cardinals on the Believe Podcast Network. He is Ed Smith, former NFL and XFL player a member of the 1998 NFC champion Falcons. Always one of my favorite guys to talk to coming into this Arizona Cardinals matchup. Welcome back to the show,
1: Ed. Appreciate you having me on, Brandon. And little known fact, I caught my very first pass in the NFL up in Seattle in the old dome, man. Oh, wow. Fond memory (laughs) up there. Yeah.
0: Well, this, this is cool because I had on Terrence Copper from Believe in Saints and he caught his first touchdown pass in Seattle. So, it's really cool to have you on the show with, with those memories, especially of those kind of career milestones. And speaking of milestones, Russ is coming off of his. Well, it's a new one this last weekend that I know he'd prefer to forget with the first time that he's been shut out. But he is coming off of an injury. Uh, ha- have you ever had to deal with coming off of an injury and, you know, after a couple weeks trying to work your way back in and it? I, I'm curious of anything that you can pull back on as to what Russell Wilson might be going through at this period of time.
1: Well, during my ba- my football career, Brandon, I was one of those dudes, I couldn't miss time, man. So regardless of what injury I had, I was playing. If I had a bone sticking out of my you know, leg, I, it didn't matter, man. Just wrap some tape around it and I'm going to get back out there. Uh, now, I will say during my baseball career, you know, I spent nine years playing professional baseball. There were times when, you know, I was had some injuries that were nagging and I like a hamstring or something like that. And you miss a little time and you get a little anxious. and You know, you start getting tired of watching everybody else out there doing what you're supposed to be doing. Uh, and then, you know, sometimes you force yourself back out there, maybe a little too soon. You're not quite ready. Uh, in this instance, I'm not sure. Russell looked like he was ready to play, but obviously we saw the rust that was there and maybe that finger. Bothered him a little bit. I'm not sure. But, you know, Russell is a dude that he'll have a very short memory. You just mentioned that. He'll be ready to go. And he's one of those dudes that's going to always try to prove everybody wrong. So I can guarantee any extra film study he needs to do, uh, whatever is, is out there, he's going to be doing it. And he'll be ready for this game, especially being another divi- a division game. You know, you don't want to lose any. But, you know, to go across the Green Bay, many of people have made that trip and come back humbled, you know. But this is division play. And these are the ones that you cannot lose. And then you look at the, obviously with Seattle being at three and six right now, Cardinals at eight and two. You cannot afford to fall further and further in the hole. Uh, The more you do, the more now you're battling for wild card, no such thing as a a division title. So we saw what the uh, Niners did yesterday. They came out like a rabid dog yesterday and just put it on uh, the Rams. So this is, you know, I think, what you're going to see from here on out, Brandon, especially with all these division games getting ready to come up, man, there's going to be some slugfests and some desperate football teams playing. And I, I expect this one to be a knockdown drag out because, like I said, Seattle does not want to fall behind. And, you know, you got a lot to prove. And I think you guys have a good football team. It's just been a weird year. You and I have been talking about it right before we started. It's been like I call it bizarro world for anybody who used to watch the old, uh, was it the comic books? You yeah, it was the, the, the old uh, Batman, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. the League of Justice, and then you had the Bizarro World of Justice. Right. So that's what it seems like this season so far. Uh, but like I said, it's going to be a heck of a game coming up, all records. You can toss them out the, the window for this one.
0: Well, yeah, it was just a couple weeks ago where the Cardinals just lay a beat down on the 49ers, and that's without Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins in the lineup. And yeah. then so you go into this game thinking, oh, well, the 49ers are done. And then they come out and they <laughs> smash the Rams. And then, you know, the Cardinals, they had their way with the 49ers uh, earlier this season, too. You know, trying to make any sense of what's going on in the division, I, you you can just, you can go around in circles with it.
1: I've given up, Brandon, trying to figure this season out it, within the division and outside of it. Every week we're looking at, you know, Bills losing 9-6 to to the Jaguars, you know. So the uh, Tampa Bay on a two-game losing streak. You know, we we go out to San Francisco the week before, and we just pound San Francisco in the mouth with our backup quarterback. Then we get Carolina coming in here with a dude that's making his second ever start, along with Cam Newton, who we're thinking, okay, hey, come it put on, put some for respect
0: real. behind PJ Walker's name.
1: Yeah, okay, put some <laughs> behind it, man. You said it, and he comes in here, and along with Cam, and along with their, you know, McCaffrey, man. I mean, you talking about who was the team? You know, who was the team with the better record? You couldn't tell. And I'm at the point now where I just can't call it week to week, Brandon. And I, you know, at the beginning of the year, I think I mentioned it before we started. You know, my great prognostication, I had the I had the Cardinals at eight and nine to finish the season overall. They've already got eight wins. Now, how they finish it off, because they did. We got to remember, they did start six and three last year. And I my, myself and my uh, radio partner, we predicted last year the 2020 season. I came out and I said Cardinals are a seven and ten team or seven and eight team. No seven, seven and, and nine. And nine. Sorry. Yeah, I know. this so extra week. It's thrown us all up. It's all messed up now. <laughs> yeah. So they start off six and three, and everybody's pointing to me in my radio part like you clowns. You don't know what you're talking about. And they limp to an eight and eight season. And so I'm like, what I tell you, you know. Yeah. So this year, I, like I said, I quoted eight and nine. But I'll be doggone if they don't. Like I said, they already have eight wins. If they don't look like a 10-11-12 win team, but it's not how you start the race, it's how you finish the race. So we'll see how this goes moving forward. And that includes what Seattle can do in the second half of this season. We see what somebody hit the snooze button and and or turn the snooze button off and finally got the, the Niners up because they look like quality quality team last year. And then we all know the Rams are gonna have to try to have something to, to prove. But like I said, it's been a crazy season so far, man. I can't I can't call it and I'm tired of trying to figure it out. I don't know how much to put into
0: that 49ers victory over the Rams, because for whatever reason, they've won now five straight games over the Rams. And it's not like the 49ers have been a great team these last few years either. I mean, ever since that Super Bowl season, they haven't really looked like that same 49ers team. With the Cardinals, though, I mean, you get out to a 7-0 start to the season. You have the injuries to Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins. Do you, do you attribute these last couple losses to those injuries, or is there something else going on with the Cardinals?
1: It'll be interesting to see, Brandon, because, it, one, when Kyler comes back, I was a little curious. When he came, like when he missed the San Francisco game, you got to remember, we were coming off a Thursday night game, which gave them even more time for him to get ready for that San Francisco game. It was a game-time decision, but he did not practice all week. And then maybe because we were playing the quote-unquote wounded Carolina Panthers, they thought, hey, we got away with Sam Fran. We can get away with another one and get us a cheap victory here, which obviously it turned out to be the wrong decision because, uh, you know, obviously Colt wasn't getting us two. So I'm really curious, is that ankle, uh, is it going to be healed? Because I w- I've, I've said this about Kyler from day one, very dynamic when he has his wheels. When he's not, when he doesn't have, and we saw last year when he got hurt, and was dinged, and you know, after that six and three start, he sputtered because he's a dude that he needs his legs just as much as he needs his arms because that's what is what makes him so dynamic. If he's not running and you can contain him to a pocket, he becomes, in my opinion, very less than an average quarterback because of his height. Well, I always try to be kind. His height, um, uh, what's the term I use? He, he's challenged. This is his <laughs> height challenge, right? And teams can now. You know, swarm around him, keep him in the pocket, and his in the pocket passer rating and his his whole demeanor is so different than when he's some of the plays he makes, Brandon. When he hits that eject button, he spins and he spins again, and all of a sudden he's running 20 miles an hour to the sideline. And then all of a sudden he stops and he's one up down the field. If he can't do that, it makes him a very average quarterback. So I'll be very interested to see if they kept him out for that extra week. Might have cost them a game, but. If he gives us his legs back and he can stay unharmed for a majority of the rest of the season and still have that extra, you know, speed and everything like that, I think we're okay. If he is hobbled in any way, like I said, it makes him uh, a very average quarterback and then it, uh, it also diminishes a lot of the things that Kingsbury would want to do with him on the field. So is there a theme that you're noticing
0: then? Because it seems like a couple of years in a row now with Kyler, you know, he gets out to these great starts, but then there's always that kind of injury and and as much as you point to the the height aspect to it, I mean, the his bulk is it seems like more of an issue because I don't know if he can take that kind of consistent pounding that that you see a lot of these guys take cuz I mean, Russell Wilson you know, he has that bulk, even drew Brees, I mean, he had a little bit to a sense and, and yeah, he didn't have the height either, but I mean, I, I look at what Robert Griffin, the third, and he never really could sustain mm. it as, as uh an NFL starter. I I'm just, I'm wondering what you see there.
1: Brandon, you are spot on, man, because I, here's the thing for anybody who's watching the game. Next time you're watching the Cardinals game, watch and look how small he is compared to other players. I'm not even talking about the big, huge offensive lineman. When you look at him standing next to another running, like a running back, you're like, damn, that dude is tiny out there. And it's you know nothing against him. I said he's done. No, he know, was, I mean, he's he done. He makes some incredible plays, plays with the talent that he has. The one thing you can't teach Brandon is size, and and I'm not just talking about vertical size either. You're talking about you know maybe a little meatiness in the body and stuff like that. There's you know there's always a trade off. As fast as he is. You know, it doesn't seem like he can take. And what he's done, and you're my radio partner and I, we joke every now and then because he's not afraid. Like, he sees the rust getting down, he's not afraid to just stop, drop, and roll, man, which is probably the best thing in his repertoire when it comes to if you're going to be in that pocket, don't take any of those huge hits. I will say, though, when he gets out in the the, the into the roughage sometime, you know, you can't always call where it's coming from. And sometimes I think he's his own worst enemy in terms of He's moving so fast, he sees something coming and he either tries to get down fast and that in itself can cause you to twist an ankle, to turn a knee, whatever it is. Whereas, you know, he's really good with sliding when he sees it coming. But there are just certain aspects, man, that you can't control when you're out there and things are, you know, going 100 miles an hour. So the one worry I have is that we're only three years into his career and you're talking, you know, hopefully – you know, 12, 13, 14, 15, but already we're starting to see those dings that don't just turn into, well, he dinged himself, but he played through it. Because when he gets dinged, it's like, okay, how's he doing? Is he hurt? or? And, you know, here we are two weeks with him on the sideline. And, you know, all it takes is one more time or another tweak or this. So we're, you know, the fans, they have a different perspective. You know, it's, you know, you can't tell fans anything. He's the best thing since sliced bread, you know, that. <laughs> And I'm always like, you know, let's, let's temper this a little bit. we got to get some longevity here. We also have to see him play through some things and maybe, you know, some other aspects of his game I'd like to see him improve as well. But, I mean, you bring up a great point, man. Like I said, he's not the biggest dude. Uh, he is out there with a whole lot of giants, and he's going to take some hits. And how durable he is, he will find out moving forward, not just this year, but for many years to come. I'm going to be
0: watching the injury reports this week to try and get a sense if Kyler's going to play There's another guy I'm gonna be watching the injury report for too, at wide receiver. And I wanna talk about him, coming up next. I'm joined by Ed Smith, the host of Believe in Cardinals on the Believe Podcast Network. Let's move on to wide receiver because DeAndre Hopkins is also a big part of that offense. I think one of the reasons why Kyler Murray has so much success is, I mean, that trade to get Hopkins was huge. You know, he could just throw it in the direction of D. Hop, and and that guy's going to catch just about everything.
1: Is he going to be back in time for this game? Man, he's another, he'll be another uh, Have to monitor during the season to see how much he, or week, like I said, during the to see how much he practices, uh, which is kind of a Let's put it this way, he hasn't practiced all year anyway. <laughs> right. It's just so it's whether he practices or walks through on Friday and they deem him fit to play on Saturday or Sunday, we'll we'll get to that point. My worry about D Hop is like I said, one, he hasn't practiced since training camp. He each week he's out. You know, he practiced limited going to training camp. Uh did not play any preseason games. He's got a hammy. And anybody who's ever played, or even if you have never played, Brandon. If you've ever pulled a hamstring, man, that is the most aggravating thing. Just when you think you've got it healed, all it takes is one tweak, and you're right back on a DL or IR or whatever it is. And I've been there before. I've had instances, you know, especially in my baseball days, you know, I'd pull a hammy, and then, man, you know, you get a couple weeks in, it feels like it's just about there. You go out there and you either test it, or one time I fooled my trainers in the, yeah, I'm ready to go, I'm ready to go. I get out there, man, I hit a ball off the right field wall, and I'm coming around first base, yank, there it goes. That's another two weeks on the sideline. So that hammy is really tricky. And D-hop is not in a position like offensive line where, you know, you can get away with, you know, you don't have a lot of bursts and stuff like that. Wide receiver, that's all you do. And especially the type of routes he runs, you know, he's cutting, he's running deep. Man, he's always just one step away from reaggravating that thing. So, I'm sure they're going to monitor that especially because of the fact they don't want him in and out for the next seven, eight weeks. If he's not 100% as, or as close to 100% as he can be, and they're probably going to test it extremely. If he's not there, I guarantee you they were err on the call side of caution with him because, as you mentioned, he brings so much more of a dimension to Kyler's game in terms of – we. and if you've watched any film, Brandon, a couple of times, when Kyler has not even seen where he's throwing the ball, he just knows uh, D hop is somewhere in that direction. And I'm going to chuck and duck and throw it and we'll see what happens. And nine times out of 10 D hop is coming down with it. And it's this great play. And they're like praising Murray for, Oh my God, did you see the throw he made? I'm like, no, did you see the throw he made? He didn't even know where he was throwing yes, it Yes, that's last but,
0: year. Everybody calling it the Hail Murray on the on the one oh, throw at the end of the game. And what did Murray have to do with that? I, I mean, yes, uh, he had to get it to the end zone, but that was an
1: amazing catch <laughs> by DeHoff. Can't tell you how many times we've seen that. And me and my radio partner, Javon, we laugh at it every time. We're like, we're like, did you see that he threw another one up? But it, like I said, he's constantly getting the credit, like, oh my God, did you see that pass that Murray threw? And I'm like... Murray didn't even see the pass he threw. He just, so, was, <laughs> Oh, so with, with Hopkins out, um,
0: who are some of the other guys who have kind of stepped up? Uh, Christian Kirk has, has he been able to make it to step up in that? I know you got the rookie Rondale Moore, uh, who's, who's kind of been able to step up in his absence of anybody.
1: They're all chipping in. And you look at last week, Christian Kirk has six receptions, 91 yards, which is a great game. Uh, we got, uh, Rondell, they're still trying to figure out things with him. So in the passing game right now, it'll be Kirk and I think A.J. Green. I think we had an A.J. Green sighting a couple weeks ago. I don't think he caught any passes this past week. I will say this much, though, Brandon. If we get a running game from Connor, we now lost Edmonds for at least a couple to three weeks or so with that high ankle sprain. But if we can get any sort of running game from James Connor, which brings an additional element to our game, Uh, you know, because now you can run and throw, which now you're not putting all the pressure on whoever's back there quarterbacking. That will add so much to us. If we get out there and just have to throw the ball 35, 40 times, run the ball 15, 20 in a game, I don't see much success even going up against your defense up there in Seattle. So the biggest key for me is James Conner. The way he ran, and I'll I'll steal one from you, You look a little bit like beast mode this past week uh, over there, you know, was it? No, not two weeks ago, because he didn't, show up this past week, but two weeks ago when he played against um, Sam Fran, man, that dude, he looked like an earlier version of himself. We need that type of Connor to show up against Seattle in some of the games coming up on our schedule for sure.
0: If Kyler Murray doesn't come through, it sounds like there's a possibility because Colt McCoy went down with an injury in this game too. You're down to your third quarterback. I'm having Colt McCoy flashbacks because he, uh, (laughs) (laughs) last year with the Giants, the Seahawks had to face him and, oh, my gosh, it was one of the worst losses that what just one of the more frustrating losses, I guess, uh, considering the position Seattle was in last year. And then Colt McCoy comes in and, and beats Seattle.
1: He's a dude, man. That you look at him, he'll have these flashes like he did two weeks ago in San Fran and against your Seahawks last year. And you you scratch your head like, how come you can't do that every week? But, you know, it's like, why and why do you have to do it against us? You know? Right. I I don't know. He's another mystery to me. If we have to put him under center this week, I will say he does add an element of getting under center, which Murray doesn't do enough, in my opinion. He has another element, and I guarantee you Connor loves playing behind him because he can now get seven, eight yards deep and come from a quarterback under center in place of all the time doing everything from read option uh, kind of status. And I do think that's something I hope that they watched and saw the success of it with Colt McCoy, and they say, "Hey, Kyler, you're going to have to get up under center a little more, even if you're uncomfortable doing it." Which I don't think. I think he's going to veto anything like that because he just doesn't—he's not comfortable in it. So that might be a bugaboo for him for the rest of his career. But I'm—you know—like if you guys get Colt McCoy, man, you might as well flip a coin because you will have no idea which one you're going to get, Brandon. And if you do get Kyler monitor how soon he gets back into practice. I'm not a big fan of game time decisions when you haven't played all week. So if he gets to Thursday, doesn't practice, now Friday's a walkthrough and they're giving you the game time decision. You can plan on seeing, in my opinion, seeing Colt. I don't think you throw your uh, franchise quarterback out there unless you're Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, after not being on the field all week with the team.
0: Yeah, I don't need to be reminded about that from this last week.
1: <laughs> we
0: you know, we spent a lot of time talking about the offense here. We haven't talked much about the Cardinals' defense, and I feel like that's really been one of the keys, especially when they got out to that 7-0 start, that the defense w- has, has been uh, a turnaround from what we've seen in previous years.
1: Vance Joseph should get a whole lot of credit for what he's, you know, and not necessarily scheme-wise, Brandon, because he's using a similar scheme, but what he's done, he's become so unpredictable with where he's bringing guys from, uh, how he's attempting to attack offenses, and then he's got these different tools with the, you know, Isaiah Simmons and Buda Baker in the back end of the defense. We lost J.J. Watt, obviously, he's all on the shelf, let's say, for a little while, but Chandler Jones is still putting in his work. You know, stats don't really show it because teams are obviously double and triple teaming him. But that it what I've liked is you can look down our stat sheet, Brandon, and there's like 30 guys who have at least one tackle on that. You know, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but we got a whole bunch of dudes contributing. It's not all just on one guy or or the defensive front. We got dudes in the secondary making tackles. You got the linebacking crew, Hicks, everybody out there. Uh, the front, uh, the the front is actually doing a pretty good job. And then, like I said, I give all the credit in the world to Advance because normal situations in the past you know. was third in this down and distance. All right, here we go. He's going to cover two with a little something off this end. And, you know, man, that dude is now doing things that I'm like, wow, if I was a quarterback out there against this, wow, that, I don't know <laughs> if I can even handle that. I'm watching, you know, because I watch football a little different than most people do because I played the game. Right. And I'll sit there and sometime I'll say to myself, you know, if I was a tight end, I'm out there, what read would I make? Would I, and I'm looking, and I'm, I have the luxury of being able to rewind it, right? And, I, you know, sometimes I have to rewind two or three times, and I'm like, man, that was a little exotic right there, a little you know, something off the edge along with a low zone blitz in the middle, you know, dudes dropping out or you're bringing – so that is the one thing that I'm really liking. And if you notice, after the first game, we had Chandler Jones with five sacks, and everybody thought Chandler's going to get like 60 sacks this year. You know, <laughs> that's really calmed down. But what has happened, it's been consistent – you can't, from week to week, Brandon, it's like, well, who led the Cardinals in tackles? You look at the sheet and you're like, oh, damn, this week it was Jordan Hicks. Who led him this week? Oh, this week was Isaiah Simmons. You know, last year we had you know, this is when our defense was really, really bad. And we do have some holes to fill our running defenses. Sometimes can just give it up. But last year there were times when Buddha had like 18, 19 tackles. And if your safety is back there making 18, 19 tackles, unless he's, doing a lot of, you know, hitting gaps and making tackles in the backfield. If he's got 18 tackles, that means he was making a lot of tackles 10, 11, 12 years, yards up the field. And that's what I'm not seeing this year. I'm seeing a lot of dudes contributing around the line of scrimmage. At the line of scrimmage, we're not seeing, you know, in most instances. Like I said, we do have some holes to fill. that We have been gassed a few times, a.k.a. McCaffrey and what the uh, uh, the Panthers just did to us. But that's been something we've been able to hold to a minimum to this point. We'll see what we do coming up there against you guys this weekend, though.
0: Well, if I can put the word in to Ken Norton Jr. and uh, the rest of the Seahawks defense, if they could go ahead and double or triple or quadruple team Chandler Jones, I I feel like that guy, (laughs) his sacks come in these big bunches, and it's usually against Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. I I don't know if he gets like four every single time these two teams (laughs) face.
1: Yeah, he seems to wreak havoc against you guys. And, you know, some guys just have that, whatever it is, like they love feasting on this particular team. I don't know whether it's a scheme or something you guys do offensively or even formations that – or maybe you guys leave him on the island too much or your tackle's on an island. But, man, I'm telling you, you know, this is – he's probably looking at some of that old old film just ready to go. And I'm sure uh, Russell is in the meeting rooms looking at some of that prior film and he's saying, look, we got to do better than this right here, you know, so we'll see. Like I said, it'll be interesting to see how they can come out of an attack. And, you know, I expect a pretty good game here, you know, regardless of whether is playing or not. This is, I never think, and maybe this is to a fault of mine, whenever I know Seattle's playing at home, I always give you guys a little bit of edge. I don't care who you're playing, because I know how the fan base is up there, the 12th man, how hard it is to go up to Seattle to play. You know, some, you know, uh, you know, stadiums, was like, You you might as well go into a concert. When you go up there to play, man, it is hardcore. So I always give you guys a little bit of an edge. This one will be interesting, you know, considering who's in, who's out. And obviously, Russell coming off some rust. And I expect this to be a pretty good game.
0: Well, you talk about Bizarro World with regard to that, too. The Seahawks have one win at home this season, and that was against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So... I You know, I wish that I could say that having the crowd there and, and behind this team is is going to have an impact in, in some way. But, man, they, they had such a good season at home with zero crowd last year, and then they come out, and and to only have the one win against the Jaguars is, I, I, I have no explanation.
1: I don't either. I have a question for you, Brandon. What is the temperature like on head coach up there? It's just, I mean, when you're there long enough, and you obviously had he had some success early and just two Super Bowl uh, uh and losing one of them, but obviously two Super Bowls. But Pete Carroll seems like he's getting long in that tenure there. And it's not like the arrow is not no longer pointing like straight up or even on a diagonal up. If nothing else, it seems like it's flatlining a little bit. How is everybody taking to, you know, can how long are we gonna give Carroll to either turn this around or you know, these mediocre seasons.
0: Yeah, a flat line is probably a good way to describe it. I, I would say it's a mix because I, there's there's fans that, you know, especially ones that, well, and I can't even say that it's you can put even the division on fans that have been around a long time versus those that haven't. But I, I think there's people that point to the, the culture aspect that Pete Carroll has brought to the team and how... Man, that is really tough to find a coach that can kind of build culture within the team and 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 do that sort of thing. But then you look at the offense and you say, you know, with with Russell Wilson, this team should have had much more success over these last mm-hmm. few years. They brought in different offensive coordinators. It hasn't shown up as far as any kind of we see the same kind of exact format for the offense no matter yeah. who the coordinator is. and so is it Pete? Is it Russ? it's it's tough to tell and it really point your finger on on what it is because i I know as a fan that with Shane Waldron coming in, I had that expectation that the offense would look different this year, and it it really hasn't. so um there's a there's a good enough portion of the fan base that's essentially ready to blow it up and, and start all over. and <laughs> i I don't. Personally, I'm not ready to go there because I'm, I'm enjoying the Russell Wilson ride and we've never had a quarterback yeah. like him. And I, I just want to I want to ride things out with Russ as as long as I can.
1: Yeah, I mean, the questions are, will start, obviously, because you can almost game plan the Seahawks attack from week to week. They do the same. It's like about as non-dynamic. And that's one of the things I will say about Kingsbury Last year, I was always questioning, where's this dynamic offense? Man, he's been doing some things recently that have even made me go, wow. You know, Christian Kirk throwing a a pass last week, you know, when you got your backup quarterback out there. Some of these uh, jet sweeps and different things. He's doing things that are making me really kind of give him credit, whereas I can watch any Seattle game, no matter where you're at, home or road, you know what they're going to do, running the ball. It looks stagnant. And then you get Russell just dropping back. And I just wonder, you know, maybe like, you know, Pete, maybe it's time, like, go, like you said, go get you a real dynamic offensive coordinator, leave that side of the ball totally alone and see how it can go. But it just does look like it's really just kind of stale out there.
0: Well, and that's why, I mean, maybe you would have some insight on whether or not it's, it's Russ versus the offensive coordinator, because I do think that there's some criticism on Russ that oftentimes he drops back and rather than playing within the structure of the offense, you know, just going to the open guy uh yeah. and he he wants to hold on to the ball and go for the big play. I think more than he wants to just like I said, play within the structure of the offense and I think that can end up being a detriment to the team because you you never get in any kind of rhythm that way and yeah. that's where I see the the biggest problem with with the Seattle offense.
1: And I think part of it is frustration on Russell's behalf, Brandon, because it is so Vanilla, if we can just use that term, that when he does drop back, I mean, you know, he's got his reason and everything. But there, are the concept—sometimes it's all about the concepts, you know. When you you watch some of these motions and different things that some of these other teams are doing, it's all to, to discuss. Primarily, if you think about it, Brandon, there's only so many ways you can run the ball. There's only so many ways you can block a scheme and throw tree routes. But what happens is you get these real creative you know, uh, you know uh, offensive coordinators, they can run the same play out of six or seven different formations, throwing different motions, throwing different packages. You know, you got a lot of these screens now being thrown to tight ends, third string tight ends that nobody ever thought about. Man, I, wish I was playing now. I might even got me a couple of those, you know. But it's like there's so many different ways to skin a cat, but it seems like the only way Seattle knows how to do it is put the cat in the, in the Uh, pot, let's boil them, and let's take take the skin out. They don't have any creativity to what they're doing. You know, and when I talk about the routes and the trees, you know, you might have to mix up motions to get this guy here, and then you got three guys on the same side, and you're running the different combinations that can make somebody get open or expose a defense if they run this or that. I just don't – I think that's the biggest stale part of what Seattle does. Because there's only so many ways you can run and throw a ball – but it's how you get to those situations, meaning you're freeing up your wide receivers and causing confusion in secondaries and stuff like that. And I just don't think Seattle's been creative enough to give Russ that feeling like, hey, man, sometimes we can go out there and I don't have to throw it 70 yards to a dude because he's gonna be open 30 yards down the field because we schemed against this coverage. And, you know, I was able to use my eyes to draw the free safety this way, knowing all oh, well, all I gotta do is I got one-on-one coverage back here. He beats him and I got it. They're not they're not giving me enough. Like I said, they're giving you vanilla cake with vanilla icing every week. I don't see any sprinkles on it. I don't see any fruit mixed in it. Nothing. It's just vanilla cake. I do. I see some here and there. I like, I, I see
0: bits of it. And another thing that, you know, you bring up the screen game. I can't tell you how many times I see Seattle struggling to, to put together
1: a good screen pass.
0: Is height an issue? Does Kyler Murray have any
1: troubles throwing screens? Well, for Kyler, you got to make sure his windows are clean, meaning you can't have the big uglies in front of him. Sometimes, you know, you you get more creative with Kyler. You roll him out to develop some of those screens and different things like that. Um, we saw some of these teams. I'm trying to think. Somebody this past week just screened. Oh, look what the uh, Chiefs did this past week against the Raiders. Man, they screened them to death. Every other way, but loose. But they were doing it out of different formations, like I said, different packages, getting it to other, not just your running backs. You know, I, you know, and that's like I said, that's just a matter of being creative. And here, and I'll give you one other thing, Brandon. When you have a defensive coach, one of the things Pete knows from his days of early being a defensive guy, he doesn't like an offense that puts his defense in harm's way. And how do you do that? Meaning, put a team. You get too creative. You get too cute. You want to run these screens and this and, you know, shovel passes and all that. And then, you know, turn the ball over deep in our territory. You put my defense in turmoil. So what they do? They go to the offensive coordinator. Hey, man, look, let's keep this real cool. You don't be doing anything stupid out there. I know you got a couple tricks up your sleeve and you might. But nah, come on, man. And that gets into the mind of an offensive coordinator. He wants to coordinate. but He also knows in the back. He's got Pete looking over his shoulder at the play seat, you know. Nah, that looks like it's too much. Nah, that, that could cause trouble right there. Now get rid of that one this week, you know. And so we, never, we just never know what kind of factor a defensive coach might have that is taking his defensive coordinator or offensive coordinator and he might want to do some flash and do this and do that. But Pete might not like that. So let me just keep this real simple. And like I said, you just never know. These days, what that factor could be.
0: And I have to think it is a factor just based on what we've seen at some points that I feel like you're trying to pull me over to this fire Pete Carroll uh, <laughs> no, I, side, <laughs> uh, but you know, a, a part of that uh, and a part of me that sees that perspective is two times the, these last two seasons, you know, to start out the 2020 season, to start out the 2021 season, you, you start out the first five games and the Seahawks defense is on pace to have the statistically worst defense in the NFL ever. Yeah. And you know, I just to have that back to back seasons with a defensive coach is uh is a little bit baffling to me.
1: Yeah, it's almost like well, what are you doing here if that's the best you can do? You know, that's your trademark. And here we are this low on the totem pole of defensive ranking. And you know, maybe as Pete has gotten older, he's had he has his lands, hands less in the dough, you know, meeting it. Maybe he's doing more supervising of man, it might be time for him to, to wash those hands off and get them dirty again. You might have to get them, you know, in that dough a little more and start kneading it and, you know, and demanding. Prime example, Brandon, Bill Belichick. I don't care who, if he coaches till he's 85 years old, he's always going to have his hands, Not, you know, he lets offense corner you go do what you do. But defensively on special teams, I guarantee you, he's constantly in those meetings. He's constantly making corrections on the field. He's constantly looking at game plan and saying, nah, that doesn't work. I like this better, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas Pete, you know, he might not be on the grind like he used to be, and it's tough, you know, but that might be the case. He might need to get them hands dirty again, man.
0: He's Ed Smith of the Believe in Cardinals podcast on the Believe podcast network. Uh, Ed, what are you guys going to be talking about this week previewing this matchup?
1: Oh, man, everything that you and I talked about, you know, obviously we're going to hit on. A little bit of last week with that disappointing game against the Panthers. Uh, We'll talk, you know, track where Kyler is in terms of coming back or if it's going to be another week of Colt McCoy. And then we'll have to kind of put our picks and predictions on this one. And I got, you know, like I said, if if it comes down to it and we're going up there with Colt, I got to go Seattle. If we got Kyler behind the center, and he's been at practice for at least a little bit. Like I said, I don't want any, didn't practice all week. Did a walkthrough on Friday. And where he's good to go, or it's a game time decision. That's not what I want to see. So you know, but the one thing I do expect, Brandon, I expect this to be. You remember? You might, I'm not pretty sure if you're old enough. Remember them Rockham Sockham robots? Oh yeah, yeah. That's what the okay. That's what this game is going to be like. when you go up there to Seattle, you better have the gloves on, ready to go, regardless of where you guys are in the standings or how you recently played. We saw what happened last night. Uh, the you know Rams go over to San Francisco. They didn't take their gloves with them, man. They thought it was going to be two hand touch, and they got punched in the mouth. So we'll see whether we're ready to play when we go, go up there. But regardless, this is going to be a good game, division game. I'm excited to see if we can bounce back because we have not looked what I would call great with Kyler Murray out, out of the uh, you know lineup, at least last week.
0: Follow him out on Twitter at Ed Smith Speaks. Listen to his upcoming show on the Believe Podcast Network. Thanks once again to Ed Smith for coming back on the show. It's kind of becoming an annual tradition now that we've had him on multiple times. Always enjoy the conversation. And I always enjoy seeing my guy, Trey Brown, featured at FieldGoals.com. Check out John Fraley's Unheralded Player of the Game. And coming up with Wilson Kahn, I'm sure we'll have some commentary from Trey Brown from his Thursday press conference as well. If you're looking for more podcasts to listen to, the new Cigar Thoughts podcast is up by Jackson Bevins, Episode 8. And he's talking with Michael Sean Dugar. Check that out. I'll be back here on Saturday talking to Clinton Bonner and Phil Leidick. And then on Friday, check out the Seahawkers podcast, seahawkerspodcast.com. Adam and I are going to be talking about this Packers game and looking ahead to the matchup with the Arizona Cardinals. Lots of podcast content for you to listen to. And so until next time, go Hawks.